All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 91 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. great catching up this past uh past couple days we uh were able to play in the 33 foundation golf tournament had a great day with you buddy yeah, it was so fun you know beautiful day to play golf you know a nice october day kind of stole one you know we had a great group um raising some funds for our boy and uh our other boy setting it up maddie Curran. yeah no shout out maddie Curran and the 33 foundation and obviously uh for those that don't know all the proceeds this year uh, went to Jake Tebow and his family to, you know, obviously Jake had a, a, a horrible injury last year playing in a midget game before the high school season. And uh, we've gotten to know him and him and his parents, uh, Mike and Tracy and his brother, Drew, just uh, salt of the earth, great people. And uh, it was it was a great, you know, rally of the hockey community, I would say. Right. No, absolutely. And I think Maddie Curran said it best when, you know, you play against people and you play against one another. And then when something happens, that everyone comes together. And that's just a, a real testament to the hockey community and the fabric that, you know, goes along with being a, a hockey player and an extended, you know, family of, of hockey players. So, you know, hats off to Maddie. You know, he went through some difficult times himself and, um, you know, to give back and create this foundation and, and give, the proceeds to uh you know other kids in need with spinal injuries it's uh it's really you know inspiring to see and yeah my uh, guy jake he's he's one of, one of a kind and we're gonna have him on the pod and he's gonna be uh you know sending a message he just you know to be that young and that motivated to just be able to walk again it just really puts things in perspective and kind of inspires um everyone that he, he comes across so Looking forward to talking to him, and it was awesome to uh, spend some time with him uh, at the golf outing. Yeah, it was great to see that community, and and you know, like you said, uh, we all you know battle against each other, but then when somebody's in need, everybody comes together. And uh, it was great to see Matt Brown as well. We had the opportunity to sit down and have dinner with him, and he was funny telling stories that you know. Remember the story of he used? I said to him, uh, I'm like, Matt, you you're everywhere, you know. And he's like, Yeah. He looks at his mother and and uh, he's in his wheelchair and just a great personality. And he's like, Yeah. Well, somebody's got to pay the bills around here or something <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, and and you know, we had a good laugh with them. And and those guys, you know, Maddie Curran and Matt Brown have just uh, set such a a great example and and really helped uh, Jake, you know, in you know each day getting through. Um, everything that he has to go through just to, 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 to keep on going. So it's uh it was, it was really cool catching up with those guys. And we had a great foursome, obviously you were striping the ball. Uh, it was great to have Studley Budley out there and, and obviously your boy JD, uh, John DeSalvatore, who was a great hockey player and a former teammate of Matty Curran's at, uh, at Providence. Yeah, it was great to uh, have Johnny, uh, join the mix and he, uh, you know, really good friends with Maddie too. So like he was going to try and get a group and it worked out awesome that we were able to play with your dad and, and, uh, and JD. But like I said, like he was pounding the ball, he was making some good shots and, you know, I was like, Hey, he's not just a pretty face. You know, he can play this game too. So he added a lot of he value. on the, the ball. Yeah. Absolutely. He's an awesome dude. And, uh, it was great to, you know, I caught up with him like a week and a half or two weeks before with Ryan down there. And when we had to sleep over and, we we're talking about it so i'm glad it worked out that we could play and um you know just you know being around you know on a nice day you know telling stories and just having some fun so it was uh it was a great event so uh, hats off to maddie Curran for pulling it off and uh you know giving the proceeds to uh, the tebow family which uh you know that well deserved because he's, he's going to take uh, advantage of every uh cent there that was raised and he's going to be walking soon yeah absolutely i know uh I, I don't know if you heard the story, but I was talking to uh, to Drew, Jake's brother, and asking if he had been to visit. Jake's obviously at Babs, and we'll have to when when Jake comes on, we'll have to talk to him more about this. But he was super psyched just to have him. He's involved in working with the hockey program, and Jamie Bryce, uh, buddy, uh, has done a great job of including him. But they had a you know a gathering, and Jake was was uh, they're treating him just like any freshman. He's, they got him kind of working the door and. I guess uh, some guys were trying to get in and they couldn't. And, and, you know, there was some words exchanged and, uh, and Drew was like, "Uh Oh, I might have to get involved here. But then next thing, you know, it was like, you know, 25, 25 hockey guys come, you know, running in his defense. And, and, you know, it was just like, 
I think uh, reassuring for 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 Drew as a big brother to know that he's got you know twenty five hockey brothers that are there get, having his back. And again, you know, we always talk about the hockey community stuff, but it was uh, we we got a good chuckle out of it because I know there was probably a few uh, words exchanged and, and and things like that that we can't say here on the podcast. Uh, yeah, we'll have to get the real story from him when he comes on. You know, just see how it all shook out and. Um, yeah, super kid, and you know he he duck, he conducts himself well in all uh, areas and diff- different situations. So uh, excited to hear about that. But uh, how'd your weekend go? The weekend went well. I know uh, you were behind the bench, right? I know. Yeah. Did you uh, coach a couple games? Yeah. Let's yeah, get into had... you first, then we can talk about my extravaganzas. Yeah. So um, you know, one game uh, was. Brooke, my daughter, was out there. Uh, it was like later in the game, maybe like five minutes left, and, and there was a, a bigger girl who could really shoot it, and she accidentally shot, I mean, um, blocked a, a shot, and it hit. Like, oh, the right... old accidental block. <laughs> yeah. She's like almost trying to get out of the way. But, like, you know, she's a little peanut and has, like, no padding, though, between the shoulder pad and the elbow pad, and um, it hit her right in the arm, and she just dropped her stick and, like, came to the bench and, uh, you know, Tears are flowing, and uh, the team ended up scoring though. And I was like, in any other situation, I'd be like, you gotta like stick it out and stay on the ice. Yeah. But it was just, uh, you know, kind of different mentality. I was like rubbing it and, you know, making sure she was all right. But she was ready to go back out uh, for her last shift. But I'm sure uh, you were super excited that she got off and was crying, <laughs> and then they scored. I know. <laughs> it was just funny because like you can't really say anything either, you know. But uh, yeah. Long way from the hot, honey. Yeah, come on, rub some dirt on it. Fuck <laughs> it up. You're showing her Gregory Campbell highlights. <laughs> yeah, broken leg, just still blocking shots with his face. Yeah. But um, yeah. So they ended up tying it. Ended up in a tie. But uh, yeah, just one of those situations that you have, you know, so many different kind of reactions. You know, coaching boys all along. It's you know a little different mentality, I would say. With like if there's tears, you know, it's uh, you know, there's, there's different. It's just a different mentality. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, you. Uh, well, maybe the guys up at TSR can make her a little extended, like shoulder pad, elbow pad to you know, a little shot blocker for the upper arms or something, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, they have yeah. those shot blockers for the skates. I mean, why not something in between the elbow pad and the and the shoulder pad? You know, a lot of guys would have those kind of sewn on, like, you know, the low back. and mm. that's Oh, funny. yeah, I remember the low back one, the old Thomas Holmstrom pad. Yeah, and my daughter has a sewing machine, so you never know. Maybe it could be just a home, <laughs> homemade situation where you get a little extra padding on, on those arms so that uh, that doesn't happen again. But um, Teachable moment, teachable moment. Yeah, and, you know, she's like, you know, has a bruise and, like, all the other all siblings are, like, pushing on it and stuff and, you know, just nuts and stuff at dinner time, but she, uh, you know, she she wore it, you know, so she'll be better off for it. Badge of honor, exactly. Yeah, we uh, same thing. Couple games, not too too many with the holiday weekend. We didn't have really any tournaments. Brian had a couple games uh, with his Central Mass Penguins team um, that we were able to to. I was able to make one of those, and then I was coaching uh, my two thousand nines, and we're uh, you know focused on taking some steps in the right direction. Obviously, this year. First year of body contact. There's been a lot, a lot, you know, going on and, and guys playing some different positions and things like that. But um, you know, we we grinded on Saturday versus X Academy, which is a, a you know a highly ranked team. Uh, according to the good old my hockey rankings, they've always been very good. We've had good battles with him. We went up early on him, and then um, you know we kind of you know you, you you try teaching the kids like, hey, we've got to keep pushing forward and talk, you know at least talking right like that's my messages uh you know we don't want to sit on a lead we want to keep pressing do what we were we're, you know do what would we've done to get here right and uh and you know again they get you know they get a goal they get a cheapy and and kind of bad things happen obviously calling my own son um had a little rush he joined the play he goes down and Kid made a nice pass, pass to him. He was kind of like that center lane drive guy, which is always good for your defenseman to be leading the rush. Uh, but uh, I mean, hey, we want we we want to encourage offense, and it's fun to play. So he he you know nice pass kind of through the defenseman's triangle, and he pulled it to his backhand and 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 ended up hitting the side of the net. And you know he was frustrated, and he turned around and gave the 
kid a little bit of a whack on the stick and they call the penalty 200 feet from on net. Next thing you know, power play, they score on that. So you're happy uh, about that. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I bit my tongue. I bit my tongue. You know, we, 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 we did talk about it and talk about the importance of, you know, obviously hockey is a frustrating game and you got to kind of keep your cool or you have to keep your cool. And, uh, and you see what happens, you know, when you, when you make a mistake like that, you, you, you know, make you, you get called for a penalty that far away from your net. And, you know, it happened to us a couple times on the weekend, not just, uh, not just my own guy, but those, you know, costly mistakes end up, uh, you know, costing the team game that costing the team, the game, they ended up uh, coming back and winning that game five to four. And then on Sunday, um, I was kind of bouncing between two ranks, but we had a great game versus mid Fairfield, which is another team that's, that's, you know, very good, um, you know, very highly ranked team. And we, uh, we ended up pulling out the victory. We kind of, we, we were up early and let them back in it, but we were able to, uh, to, to come back and, and close it out and get the winner with about 30 seconds left. So that was, uh, that was a bonus. So yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of teaching going on and, and trying to, you know, get these guys, uh, making positive uh, or they are they're making positive steps in the in the right direction which is what it's all about it's only october yeah those teaching moments are important and especially when you get the reactionary like mm-hmm. say if it's a negative you know so he missed the a good opportunity to score a goal so he's a little frustrated and then you know takes a you know unnecessary penalty but that's mm-hmm. a reactionary play and that's one thing that i really did stress like take one breath before you react, you know, but it's very difficult for, you know, kids to do good advice. And, one breath. Yeah. Just one breath. And then you, uh, you know, sometimes it just clicks. Like I can't turn around and slash this kid or whatever it is, whatever it may be, whether it be 200 feet from the net or, you know, in the D zone or whatever. So that was my, uh, advice to the kids at that age, especially when they start checking. Cause a little bit of more, more emotion, you know, like sometimes kids are a little scared, you know, to, to get that body contact and you know, might feel like, you know, they're harmed in some way, you know, like they hurt their feelings or something. And, uh, and so just taking one quick breath before you react is probably the, the biggest because that knee jerk reaction is usually negative. Right. No, that's great advice and something I'll definitely relay to uh, to my teams. What do you say? Uh, time to dip into the mailbag or what? Yeah, I mean, before we do that, though, I want to say great job on the Oats uh, interview, dude. I don't oh. even think I don't even think you need me. <laughs> well, that's not true. It was uh, like I said to you a couple weeks ago. It was like uh, it was playing shorthanded. You know what I mean? I was <laughs> I, I didn't have my partner in crime, and uh, it was it was fun. Obviously, uh, you know, Adam Oates is very he's very. Uh, it's like talking to Albert Einstein, right? Of, yeah. of, of a hockey world. genius. He's a yeah. hockey. He's a hockey guru, hockey genius. And you know, there was a few times when I asked him questions, and he almost spit them back to me. And I'm like, oh my god, I hope he doesn't at, <laughs> like want me to. <laughs> I hope he doesn't want me to answer this because I don't want to screw it up. And then him thinking that I'm a complete dummy. You know what I mean? Even though I feel like I'm pretty confident in in most of those those, those questions, but I, you know, I just think he has such a different, you know, unique outlook and things like that. There was one play in particular, we were talking about cycling and he spit it back at me. Like, well, what do you mean by cycling? And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, dude, I play defense like 90% of my life. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 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 you know, stuttering all over my words here. And I'm like, all right, hopefully if I don't talk, he can just, uh, just answer it himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, and, uh, and it was great having John and, um, you know, John Lounsbury and Jonathan Sigalette on there as well. Cause they, obviously they're all on the same page and they're uh, very intelligent hockey guys too. And, and so it's, it, it was, it was fun to banter. Uh, but yeah, like I said to you before, it was kind of like playing a three on one. I was just trying to have an active stick and, you know, throw some, <laughs> throw some questions out there and hopefully I didn't screw up too much, but it throw wasn't easy. Without, it wasn't easy without you, my man, trust me. <laughs> throw some false information. Hopefully they, you know, dump it into the corner. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, as far as cycling, like, um, you know, some people might not know what cycling is. I mean, yeah, I know that there was some comments about that. That's, that's a great point. So we can maybe just break it down. Um, my, you know, kind of like basic kind of description of cycling is using all three players and a, a possession style of using the wall, climbing the wall. So I have the board. You want me to just get the board? 
give it a, just so we have a visual aid. So as far as, I mean, I don't want to draw a ton, but let's just say the puck's in the corner mm-hmm. and the player has it and they start climbing the wall, which is the boards, right? We say using the hash marks as a guide because the second player would be coming in and following them. Yeah. So then there's a, a defender on this player. They can't come through the seam and come over the top for a scoring chance. So they bank it back here to this player who still has possession. So another player might be coming. So you can do it again with this third guy who comes back in. So it's a cycle. So it's, that's why we call it cycling. Do you want to just just with the maca just draw like F1, F2, F3 just so uh, I know this might be something good to pull for social media too just because, you know, again, you want to talk about the – and I know OT talked about, um, you know, where the support was coming from and, and where your defense would be as well because, we, I mean, we can even – we can break this down obviously for, for a while but also the, the D being active and everything, you know. Yeah, I was going to get into that. There's like different ways that you can – start causing some confusion on the D end. So like F1 would have the puck, the defenders coming on them, they climbing the wall, getting off the wall a little bit, and they just bank the puck to F2, who's coming in for close support. So F2, so F2, F2 would have started basically in front of the net and yeah, falling off. Yeah, right in here. And yeah. then, you know, then they come in a little closer support. So then F3 would be up here as the high guy. So Mm -hmm. then F1 would fill this role. F3 comes in. So it's that, that's the cycle that you see, right? So F1 climbs, bumps it to F2. He waits for possession, then goes in. So then you can really gain some time and space through that. But what OT and what I used to love to incorporating the D so you can do a high cycle. So the forward can come up here. We always talk about when the forwards are, are cycling on their own the hash marks, but if sometimes you can come up here, the D activates down the wall and it's a cycle this way where they, right. they can invert the D a little bit, cause some confusion on coverage between the top forward and the D who was on that F1. The other one that I like also. That's is, something else, Mots, if I can just jump in. Yeah. Um, you know, we call that a lot with the D like a, a high scissor play. Yeah. Right. So that, that forward, you know, when you draw it up, it kind of looks like scissors, right? So that that forward is is walking up the wall, and it's very difficult for the for the uh, strong side defensive forward to cover because it just you know causes more chaos and some confusion when that D leaves his point and and goes down the wall. But get back to it. I just wanted to clarify because yeah, I know we'll say like scissoring and things like that uh, quite a bit on here, and and there probably are some people that have no idea what we're talking about. They think we're talking about uh, Brooks, you know. Arts and crafts. When, yeah, her arts and crafts when she's sewing up her elbow pads. So, yeah, another thing on that is, you know, defensively, do you stay with the D or do you try to switch with the D, uh, the, the defending D? So that top forward, does he stay with that scissoring offensive defenseman or does he kind of release him? And that's the confusion that you want to create on the offensive side of things in the offensive zone. Yeah, that's an OT-type question back to me, but um, – at the end of the day, what it comes down to is communication in my eyes. Yeah. No, I, like, I mean, ideally you want to switch so you don't right. have a D coming way up and the forward ended up being down low. Right. But it doesn't happen all the time. You and know? you've got to call out that switch, right? So if the D's going to play that D that's going down the wall and he doesn't communicate it, now, now you're leaving somebody open. It's it's game it's, on. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, that's what you want to create as a as the offensive Correct. players, but as the defensive players, uh, and I know we're talking more offense, but that's a uh, yeah, it's a nightmare for for the defensive team. And then as the kids get a little bit, you know, more comfortable with just the cycle on you know down low, or even incorporating that top D, I really like this one. F one comes up to the hash marks, bumps it to F two mm-hmm. instead of F three coming down to the corner. So F three would have started here, so F one would be here. F2 with the puck. He releases to the backside of the net, and it's a long cycle. So he's coming up here, and he really has to get it back behind the net. Right. So now or you, he can, Or he can turn and protect it a little bit and then make that play. Right. But if you can start practicing that and getting some reps, what that does is totally inverts the D so they are looking this way. So this F original F1 can come into this scoring area. You can have some action here. 
You can bring it back around the net. F2 can be an option as well. So using the back of the net offensively is one of the things that was very difficult for, you know, say teams to defend me in particular, like, you know, you have to kind of really be on point to make sure you know your roles um, when that puck does go behind the net. And the the best teams that use behind the net um, in an offensive position can generate a lot of offense that way. So just, you know, some cycling uh, whiteboard action there. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, I think you broke it down really well. And obviously the more active that the DR just adds to that offensive creating like that weak side D if he can pop, you know, on a cycle, if he can jump in towards the back door and, you know, you, you're just looking to create scoring opportunities. That's what the game's all about. So good breakdown. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Like I said, I wish I didn't have to do the interview without you, but uh, I, I, I just survived. And uh, Mots, we had a couple notes from the, uh, you know, from the past weekend, obviously uh, what is going on with the, these Philly parents. Uh, we got a, a message from our buddy John, uh, who was Lounsbury, who was coaching the game. So he said, uh, I'll read you the message. Rink shrinks, exclamation point. <clears throat> 10 new girls game versus team from Philly. Parents screamed at the refs for 36 minutes of hockey. The 17-year-old female ref got tired of it and kicked two out. They all ganged up on her. She left mid-game in tears. Quit. This is why we don't have refs. Embarrassing. Should remind you, 10 new girls. On a positive note, our girls went all went to the ref's room to cheer her up, and it was a one nothing game. Uh, just ridiculous. I mean, we've talked about this stuff over and over again, but, like, parents, what are we doing here? I don't care where you're from. Uh, it, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and, like, there was another part of that where I was like, yeah, are you proud of what you did? And, you know, one of the parents that was like, the yeah. father. The father. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Um, you know, so good on the, uh, you know, Lonsbury's team to get over there and at least show their support for her. Hopefully she does not quit. Um, you know, there is a shortage of refs, but this is why. It's unbelievable that, you know, people feel entitled enough to take out, I mean, they're adults, and this girl's a 17-year-old girl just getting going and understanding the game. And, you know, it's U10. It's not... It's not the Stanley Cup, you know. You got to have some some patience with some of the, the refereeing that is going on, you know. Especially the newer, um, you know, kids coming through and learning the game and learning the pace and and trying to get up and down the ice and make the timely calls. Because if they're out there, it's it's not as easy as it looks, and no. um, and they should be embarrassed for doing that instead of being proud to making a, a girl cry and and leave uh, partway through the game. So. It's just a disappointing uh, story, and and hopefully, you know, we can you know get some parents to understand that you know instead of yelling out you know negative things towards a ref or towards a team or, or a player, you just encourage your team. You're there to support. You skate your lane as a parent. Support, support, support. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The 17 year old girl that's that's refereeing. It doesn't matter what age. You know, a kid just trying to earn 25 bucks to refer, referee a game like. Again, how would you feel if that was your daughter that was just getting absolutely harassed for 36 straight minutes because, you know, maybe she missed a penalty or missed an offside call or whatever? Like, guys at the NHL level do it and they get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. So uh, it, it's just, like you said, it's embarrassing. And as parents, uh, we all need to be better. Uh, Mott, speaking of which, and and maybe this was involved, maybe these, these you know, these couple moms were a little, had the cocktails going in between games or something like that, but I'd like to introduce a new sponsor to the show, and I know uh, the two of us are really excited about this. The Rink Shrinks are now sponsored by Athletic Brewing Company, America's leading non-alcoholic craft brewer. Uh, now you can drink great tasting brews all night long without feeling the hangover the next day. Athletic has won five dozen prestigious brewing awards for its wide selection of IPAs, Goldens, Light Brews, and more. Their non-alcoholic beers are fit for all times, which means you can drink them anytime, anywhere. From now until December 31st, new Athletic customers can receive 20% off their first order of two six-packs or more when they visit athleticbrewing.com and use the code RINKSHRINKS20 at checkout. Again, that's RINKSHRINKS20, all one word, for 20% off your first order of two six packs or more at a, at athleticbrewing.com. Mots, I'm super psyched about this because we talk it all 
about it all the time in between games. I mean, this past weekend, for example, you know, I had a couple games and, you know, yeah, I wanted to socialize and hang out with the parents, have a couple suds in between games. And you know what? I tipped back a couple athletic brews, non-alcoholic. That way I wasn't all, you know, didn't look like bottom maker on the bench. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, it, 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 it's a great product. It's great tasting. Uh, the IPAs, this, this, they're, they're delicious. They really, I know we had a couple on the golf course. Yeah, I was gonna say it was uh, early uh, tee off, and we were able to crack a few uh, athletic brews. Nice, know. refreshing ones, upside down golden ale. Yeah, it was really, it was tasty, really, really, really good. And you know that that is like a really important thing. You know, you still want to be social, and you can you know crack a few of these, and and uh, and still be able to uh, get back on the bench if you're a coach. So, or uh, keep it between the rails if you're from Philly and you're in the stands. <laughs> Exactly. Did you catch the uh, Stamkos and Hedman commercial? I did. Pretty classic. Yeah, classic. <laughs> Absolutely classic. For those that haven't seen it, uh, you know, Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Hedman's got the baby Bajon going on. He looks like Alan in the hangover. <laughs> and uh, and Stamkos is, uh, you know, it looks like his young eight-year-old kids involved in the game. And, and, and he looks over at him. He's like, oh, you got him on skates yet? And uh, he's like, no, he's only six months old. And he's like, oh, must not. Yeah, I forget the exact. Because he doesn't want it. Because he doesn't want it. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it was it was great, you know, just banter. And I forget what the actual the actual commercial was for. I think it was like uh, an insurance commercial. Like, yes, everyone covered or whatever. Right, right, right. But oh. uh, and then they they got you know Stammer's kid running a, like a guy that you know looks like an, <laughs> like an, adult. An, an adult into the into the boards, but. Just, uh, just classic, and it's good to see some personality on those guys, and and uh, it was it was really really funny. Yeah, it's great stuff. And yeah, like the personality side is really cool too. Like I know there, uh, you know, some guys that have played with them, and you know, both well respected in you know the locker room and and uh, across the league, but uh, great players as well. So, you know, to see a little uh, you know comedy and you know poke fun of of some stuff, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Uh, Mots, before we get into the mailbag, what do you say we talk about Sparks? Uh, the Sparks is the at-home skate shopping machine that you know you and I know and we love and, and we've been using so uh, frequently for, for with our kids. Or I should say we've been taking the, um, you know, it, it's so easy to make the, the skates kind of an extension of your equipment and, you know, having the kids go downstairs before weekend games and, and buzz them through it. Literally, I timed it. It takes, uh, you know, all all in maximum, you know, that's like stoning, despurring it. I would say six, seven minutes at the at the most, which, you know, we keep it down the basement. It's super convenient, accurate, consistent. You can shop in your skates anywhere or anytime. We've talked about bringing it on the road with us, setting up in the hotel room when you're going away to uh, to tournaments and things like that. Um you know, it's, it's, it's just really, really good. Obviously you can, uh, at sparkshockey.com use the promo code, uh, BY 50, all one word. That's $50 off your spark sharpener. Again, sparkshockey.com S P A R X hockey.com. Uh, March, I'm sure you got something to add about good old sparks. Yeah. We have it in our family room. There's like a little area and able to just you know, throw the skates in there and buzz them. And, um, you know, my son, you know, it, and the other thing is, you know, you're elevating your performance, you know, you know skating is the most uh, important aspect of the game. And if your skates aren't sharp, you're not playing at your best, uh, not trusting those edges, but there's a, you know, a great accurate and consistent sharpen and there's no mess. And that's why it's in our family room. You know, there's, yeah. there's a, I mean, you guys are eating dinner around it. I know we were for a little bit. <laughs> so uh yeah make sure uh, you hop onto sparkshockey.com and uh use the promo code bymots 50 it's um it's a great discount and um it's the biggest discount you'll find uh at spark so make sure you check that out it's a great uh great little tool to to have in the house for all your hockey players and my daughter and my son both use it so it's it's really a, it was a nice add to the motto household Absolutely. Uh, all right, Mots, let's get into the mailbag. I'll take the first one here. Uh, program out of the Durham region, just east of Toronto, U9 minor development, completely unbalanced team, supposed to be AAA, very rough organizational operation. We are trying to make the best of it. A 55-year-old 
who should be retired development coach comes off the ice at the second uh, practice of the year, absolutely screams at the room of parents and skaters, skaters, totally blasting my son for shooting bar down. No player is supposed to shoot the puck above the goalie's knee. My mouth dropped. These are seven and nine-year-olds that train four to five times a week. Such an out-of-touch coach and needs to retire. All the parents called my boy after practice and apologized for this idiot. Just shows them that new leadership and a diverse approach approach is needed in the sport. It's only September, and that's from an angry Canadian whose kid can shoot top cheddar. <laughs> well, I have a couple things on this. Um you know, all kids want to try and go bar down, especially when they're just able to like raise the puck consistently. Um, but at 55 years old, you know, there's the he's been around the game. Yeah, his approach and his you know kind of uh, communicating of ideas might not be you know what we're looking for nowadays. Yeah. He sounds like an old fossil. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I look at players when I was scouting in warmups who's shooting low. Who's shooting low blocker on an empty net? Because that player is, is actually getting ready for the game or getting into that default of when he has no time or she has no time to uh, shoot the puck in a game. Because if you just consistently just shoot for a bar down, you're going over the net. If you're watching warm-ups or in the beginning of practice, the, the, the majority of players are shooting it over the net and you just hit the glass, right? So there is some... Validity but it looks too. cool though. It does look cool, and you'd be one of them. I'd be like, "Oh, cool. this kid's not ready." Yeah. Uh, no, but um, yeah, no. There's there's a way to communicate, and that's not the way to do it. So, I just think that there is a um, maybe there is a, a positive message that you know this 55 year old is trying to get across, but he didn't do it in the right way. And there is uh, you know, there's no there's no place in that for coming in and and kind of you know chewing out you know seven to nine year olds that uh, I just look into kind of go bar down, but you can, right. you can go about it uh, in a different way. But um, yeah. yeah. So the, communi- the, the communication piece is ridiculous to be yelling and screaming at a kid. It's again, and we talked about it earlier, like it's a teachable moment, right? Show mm-hmm. the kids, talk to them about, Hey, you know, shoot the puck low, shoot it hard, put it on the goalies pads, put it somewhere that you're going to create second and third opportunities. I know you talked about that, default shot where you can you know you shoot the puck when you have no time and space and you just have to get it off quickly uh obviously there's certain scenarios where yeah you know the goalie's down and you got to put it up under the bar but there's so many opportunities in a game where it's just about you know putting the puck on net and working to now create a second opportunity a rebound or maybe a third or a fourth opportunity and create that chaos in the house as we call it around the net um you know, but again, at the end of the day, like to go into a locker room and rip a room full of kids or one kid in particular because he's shooting the puck bar down is just he's a dummy. He, he sounds <laughs> he sounds like an idiot. You know what I mean? But again, because because again, you can you can teach like teach the kids, hey, this is why you should focus on shooting low. This is why you yeah. can fo- you know, focus on you know, hey, yeah, once in a while, yeah, you're going to have to go up, you know, up under the bar, and which is sick, right? right? Everybody loves it, and you can put it on your Instagram page. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather have goals than, you know, practice missing the net and, and hitting the glass too. Yeah, so the message might be correct, but the communication and the approach that he took is completely wrong. Completely wrong. Uh, all right, that's enough on the angry Canadian. Um <laughs> What uh, you want to read the next one? Yeah, so it's hi. Thank you for the uh, your podcast. I love it, and send it to all my hockey families all the time. Uh, coach a team of uh, tw- uh, 2012s, and want like to add to our group. We have ten skaters, high A team, and everyone's families have shown interest in staying together, building together. I have no kids on the team, so I'd like some advice on how to appropriately add to my group. So far, I've suggested to kids to tell their friends much fun they're having any advice is appreciated thanks for what you guys do yeah Mots. i mean i think this is a it's a good question i think that message is is perfect right if if you know buddies can um you know if if kids have buddies that are interested in coming out let them come to a couple practices and see the 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 coaching that they're getting obviously having a non-parent coach that's into it 
uh, is is a really really cool experience. Um, and if you can you can build and and grab a couple of kids from you know the kids class or whatever it may be, I think that's that that's awesome. But I think that's the the right way of going about it. I'd rather start with a smaller group and build on it rather than having too many kids and have to make cuts or changes and things like that. Yeah, I think you know word of mouth. You know, as far as having fun, number one. And so, two thousand. I mean, twenty um, twelves is a um, second you know, year squirts. Yeah, a group that you know you can start to do a little bit more, and you know, kind of um, introduce some concepts. You're always working on your skills, but you know, having fun is the most important thing. And if you add to the team with some good character families and and uh, some players that you can work with, that's uh, like your whole goal. So. I like the uh, kind of the approach with the families showing the interest of staying together and building together. And those kids will be better off for it in, in a few years if uh, they stick together and continue to develop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got the next one here. It's a little long, so bear with me. But uh, this is this is well worth the listen. Uh, hi, guys. I have a nine-year-old son who just graduated to full ice in U6 and 8U. The the uh, the kids did the station based ADM format. You do that for four years, and I think maybe you're really excited to try something new. But maybe it ain't so great. One practice, I thought, oh, this is a little like watching t-ball practice. So I really paid attention to the second one, which ended uh, ended up being the same format for um, same format to a T. And this is the summary. First. 10 minutes of leisurely skating around the rink. Second, five minutes of sprints between the blue lines. And you know how nine-year-old sprints are when no one is chasing them. Pretty pathetic. Uh, second, full ice up and down. Stops, transitions, backwards, knees, etc. All right, so they're doing the, the old school line drills, which is fine. Uh, third, 10 minutes of the horseshoe drill. Next 20 minutes, Montreal drill. Last five minutes, accordion passing. I used the USA Hockey Activity Tracker so I'd have some hard data, which speaks for itself, except for the 15 minutes and 15 seconds of total skating time, 10 of which including the leisurely skating around the rink at the start. What can I do to achieve a positive outcome in this situation? Paying $1,800 base fees for hockey this year, not to mention time, does not justify the activity level and what I see as a lack of development and stimulation for these practices. Whoa. Yeah. You want me to? Yeah. Take it. Run with it. Come on. Chime in. Yeah. So, you know, nine-year-old ADM model, like we talked about the ADM ADM model and there's some real value to that. Mm -hmm. Having some station um, situations, small area games, a lot of touches. um, But, I absolutely disagree with having a stopwatch and, you know, an activity tracker is absolutely ridiculous for this because, you know, number one, why are you there watching practice when you should, you know, go read a newspaper, go get a coffee, do something else. Let your Socialize kid, with the other parents. Yeah, let, let your kid be a kid. Um, and, you know, again, yes, you're, you know, trying to justify the, the uh the 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 number of eighteen hundred dollars you know base fees but hockey's an expensive sport right so if you're looking for an investment look for look for it somewhere else and you know like i said these are some good drills the horseshoe drill the montreal drill passing but when i was coaching these younger kids i would allow them you know who knows like they've been in school all day right you know they they couldn't have you know just exhausted from just trying to kind of dial it in and focus i threw pucks out there and let them just mess around for five minutes let it you know let them get out you know leisurely skating around maybe talking to someone you know maybe they play tag you know there's, you got to let them be kids and that's that's one of the things that i really enjoyed seeing like some kids would you know kind of you know work on some stick handling on their own other kids would play keep away um you know just shooting on the net you know five minutes is fine you know, 10 minutes is a little long for just a leisure, leisurely, leisurely skate around. But, I mean, you got to let them kind of stretch their legs and, and kind of be kids for a little bit, you know, get, get out of their uh, own heads for, you know, school and whatnot. So uh, and then you get into some skating. 
and uh, you know, ups, up and downs, knees, backwards, forwards, transitions. That's good stuff. The horseshoe in Montreal. I have no problem with with this uh, practice plan, but to be able to sit there and and clock it is absolutely ridiculous. Sorry, that, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's not something that we want to encourage, and nor should you be doing it. Uh, and I think you just cut it loose, allow your kid to be nine years old, as long as he's having fun out there, and you're not putting you know negative information into his head about like oh you know you're standing around quite a bit or whatever you know right. just let, let that's him that's what i that's a, that's what i want to know Mots is did he come did did the you know the did little johnny come off the ice and say mm-hmm. oh i had such a terrible time or did he have a blast you know what i mean i'd like to hear that answer because mm-hmm. again like you said you're talking about return on investments and things like that and it's like you know what are we talking about here we're talking about a nine-year-old hockey practice like at the end of the day when he got in your car and threw his bag in there if you didn't watch the practice and you said hey buddy how was practice and he said he had fun boom yeah perfect there you perfect. go perfect perfect like done done that's it so it's a you know again is you know do i think this is a perfect practice plan probably not you know what i mean no, i right. i always found at nine years old when kids when you did give them that leisurely time they just ended up like Slash playing kill the other. guy with the puck and <laughs> exactly. killing each other so what i started to do was was um the first 10 minutes of all my practices and i've done it you know basically 90 percent of my practices for the for the past four or five years is play 10 minutes of a game whether it's a cross ice game mm-hmm. two on two three on three with gretzky's or box or you know, adding players, uh, you know, like those type of things to get them engaged and, and having fun right off the bat. And then we get into our different drills, whether it's passing, shooting, skating, um, you know, the the actual structure of, of what we want to do. But I find that, you know, instead of that kind of five minutes of chaos uh, where, you know, like me, I, I kind of always err on the side of like caution. I'm like, oh, boy, like somebody's going to get hurt out here because yeah. uh, you know, whatever. It's like one guy ch- carrying a puck and there's 10 others chasing them and somebody runs into somebody because they're going the wrong way. Uh, you know, but th- that's what I do. I just start with 10 minutes of a game. Like if we're out there at, at, at six o'clock, we're out, you know, from six to six ten. as I structure my practices, it's like, boom, we're playing a game in the neutral zone, three on three or, or, or you know, some type of variation of a game just to get them engaged and having fun. And and then we get, you know, into the, the, the rest of the, the the, the drills but yeah i mean you you hit the nail on the head mott yeah i mean i, I understand you don't do, it often, of... so <laughs> don't do it often so so take credit take yeah credit yeah so um, let's let's move on yeah let's move on exactly uh, i want to talk to you this mailbag is also brought to you by franklin sports your home for official nhl fan gear and merchandise hockey season is here nhl fans make sure that you have everything you need to show your team spirit by heading over to franklinsports.com for fully licensed team gear today. Yeah, the NHL season is uh, kicked off, and it's nice to have hockey back on the TV, so make sure you uh, visit franklinsports.com to support your favorite uh, team with some solid gear. Yeah, it's a great time of year with the NHL starting so up. Yeah. Football, it's, there's nothing yeah. better. Uh, March, you want to talk about the My Hockey Rankings question of the week? Yeah, so my team appears in the alphabetical listing, but we do not appear in the initial rankings that were released today. This is last week. Why is that? And this is from Scott H. Well, I'll answer it. And we uh, we talked to Neil and Ian, those guys, with uh, myhockeyrankings.com. And here's your answer. And this is right from the source. Uh, it is likely your team did not meet the minimum game requirement. My Hockey Rankings requires teams to have a minimum of five counting games entered into the system before they appear in the rankings. Non-counting games are not included in the five-game minimum toted, uh, total. I'm sorry. Non-counting games include games against teams of different age level. Example, PUE slash 12U versus Bantam teams, uh, 14U. Games against mixed-gender opponents, i.e. boys versus girls, and forfeits. Um, yeah, you can't count a forfeit as your uh, towards, towards your, towards your game tout count for the rankings uh teams that reach the five game minimum over the next week will be included in next week's rankings update uh make sure you head on over to myhockeyrankings.com and get your missing game results entered into my hockey rankings yeah that's a great answer pretty straightforward um you know just giving some giving some examples of 
you know, the counting of games, you know, there might be, you know, the Pee Wee versus Bantam situation or boys versus girls or forfeits. But, um, yeah, thanks to those guys for clarifying that. And, uh, you know, thanks for, you know, the, the my uh, hockey rankings question of the week, you know, because it is important for, you know, people to understand how it works. And sometimes these questions uh, clear up a lot of, you know, um, kind of gray areas for some of the people out there. So uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. All right, I got another one here. Hey, Shrink's been a listener since day one. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Uh, love all the insight and knowledge. Keep it up. My son is on a square day mixed team. They are 18 kids. On, there are 18 kids on the team, 16 skaters and two goalies. About half of the kids are first-year travel kids, and so are the two coaches. Uh, coaches are insisting on having certain kids on the PP slash PK units with limited ice time as it is now. Um, if there's a lot of penalties in the game, some of the kids are only getting two shifts a period. The other issue is they really don't know how to change the kids on the fly properly and are constantly waiting to, for a whistle to change. Oh, and they also insist on keeping lines together. It's getting hard not to say anything. I know the coaches are trying their best, but a lot of things don't make sense. They seem just happy to be there. Please help Mike in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean that's it's absolutely ridiculous to have that many skaters. Number one, mm-hmm. on a squirt yeah. team, um, Way know, too I'm, many. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's like ten and six, and having ten yeah. ten forwards is a nightmare, no matter nightmare. what. Uh, six D, you know, and these guys aren't at the level where they go as hard as they can for thirty to forty five seconds, and they're gassed, and they come off. You know, like a you know, as you know, there's more competition, or you know, you, you can push a little harder. Um, so, like, I'm sure, like, some of these shifts are like two minutes long, playing playing like a 12 minute period, maybe. You know, and and then to have like designated PKers and PP um, at this age is absolutely ridiculous too. Everyone should be getting the reps and being able to, you know, be on the PP, be on the PK, you know, playing different situations and to limit ice time at this age at this age because of of those specialty teams is um, I just don't think it's appropriate so getting two shifts a period gross right you know like you know if you're one of those kids like it doesn't make you want to probably you know play on the team you want to uh, talk about an activity uh tracker yeah i mean that's jesus that's no no good um but you know what i mean there's there's a couple of different things here you know like you could say there's a lot of you know participation so you know they might have to have you know that many players and that's tough to juggle though you know to to get kids reps and you know in practice it might be fine but when it comes to game time everyone everyone should be getting some reps in games as well yeah i i think um you know, you you hit the nail on the head. It's there's way too many kids on this bench. Um, keeping the lines together is is stupid. As is the PK and PP units. Um, but the best way, you know, for Mike in New Jersey, this might be Mike Motto from back in his New Jersey Devils <laughs> days, complaining about his coaches. Um, but the the best way to go about it, I would say, is having an adult conversation with the coaches. Uh, or, you know, I'm not sure if this is like a select program or something like that. So, you know, I'm a former hockey director. If I just got this kind of scathing email, uh, I would obviously be pretty sour and be like, this guy, Mike's a jerk and, and, and whatever. But I would just have a conversation with the guys that run the organization or the coaches or, you know, or, you know, maybe start with the coaches. And if they don't listen, um, move on to the, to the, you know, director of hockey ops or, or whoever is kind of in charge of running things, because, you know, you don't want to sound like that real bitter parent, um, but you also have like some legitimate beef here. So, you know, yeah. just take hey, like don't send an email after a, a, a six pack, maybe only if you have some a six pack of athletic bruise, that would be fine. Um, but, you know, have a uh, an adult conversation and and just say, hey, listen, like we all want what's best for the kids here. Right. And these kids need to be, you know, to develop and they need ice touches and reps and things like that. Um, obviously line changing by the time they get to square days, they should be, you know, going out there for 45 seconds to a minute and being able to get off. But at the end of the day, like you, it, it, it's hard for a coach to balance 16 skaters. Like they should have, 
you know, nine and five, nine and four, eight and five. I mean, those are pretty good numbers at that squirt level. Um, this is a, a more of a more of a fundraiser versus uh, you know actual hockey development. And how do you deal with ten forwards? So I, I mean, I've really never had to do it before. But if I have an extra, let's just say, um, let's say I did, what I would do is just have one player rotate through all the lines so that everybody sits. So yep. let's say it's Mike not Mottos, just the right side. Yeah, let's just say side. Mike Motto's the the extra man. He's the 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 Bonnie Perry swing man, uh, as he was for the midget the Dorchester midgets back in the day. Um, I would have him start out, you know, let the first line go, and he kind of sits a shifts. Then as soon as the first line comes back to the bench, he would go through the left wing, then the center, then the right wing, then he moves to the second line, third line. Uh, etc. And you know, basically, it would he would basically rotate through every line each period. Um, yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. Everyone has, you know, no one's consistently sitting. Like whether if you some people do it just on the left side, you know, say it's a left winger, then the mm-hmm. right side the next, you know, period, and then usually not the centers. You know, that's sometimes, yeah, because those are your studs. Yeah, but I like that um, approach. And that's uh, that, that's some that a lot of coaches could probably uh, implement if they run into that ten forward situation. Yeah, which hopefully they don't at squirt level. Uh, all right, Mott, you want to take the last one here before we wrap right. up? Absolutely. Hey guys, love the pod. I am curious about the increasing number of super teams at the youth level. It seems more and more the top peewee and bantam players are banding together to form highly ranked teams. We regularly see kids leave middle-of-the-road ranked teams and make long commutes to the quote-unquote elite teams. I personally don't worry about what others are doing as I'm focused on helping my son become the best player he can be. My question is, how important do you believe the overall talent of a team is to the development of an individual player? And will playing with elite players on a top-ranked team make a player develop faster than he would have if he or she stayed in a middle of the road ranked program? Really good question. Yeah, it is a really good question. And Mots, I think we can kind of ding and dong off of this, but you know, I, I think the people that are chasing it and driving two and a half hours to play on one of these super teams is like, I think it's mind blowing to me. If you have a decent team, a middle of the road, a good team that's close by you, and it's not going to put you in the car for you know four or five hours. Uh, when you're going to games and practices, like stay there. Like obviously, yeah, it's good to play at, at, at you know in, in bantams and and peewees. It's good to play with good players, but you know at the end of the day, it's about the ice touches and the and you know the situations that your kid's gonna play in. Like if he's gonna you know be a guy that's gonna go out on the power play all the time and 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 play kind of that you know top five minutes or, or whatever on the team, then on on a lesser team versus be on the third line or the, be the 10th forward on that uh on that super team like why would you do it? It, it it's not it's still it's a marathon not a sprint and and these kids by no means are are anywhere near the you know the peak of it they, they there's a long way to go so you know focus on on just developing your kid and and you know making them have fun and things like that yeah i i, I see it you know kind of both ways as well like there is you know some value to playing with better players uh, and you see the, some people chasing it a little bit, but I think the, the more value is playing on a middle of the road team because you're playing against good players as well. Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, know how to defend, you know, if you're a defenseman, you know, have to know how to, you know, forecheck a a player that, you know, let's just say this team is above you in that middle of the road forecheck a, a player that can outthink you maybe sometimes and make a play, execute a play. So you're getting better that way as well. You have to be able to defend and play against quality plays. So middle of the road is, ex- is exactly where I would want to be. Right. Um, because yeah, I know you have be- talked about your experience coaching a little bit. If you want to, you know, like your teams being middle of the road, but kids being, you know, learning how to defend. Right. Yeah. I mean, middle of the road is great. You know, we were, Kind of say lower third on 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 some years, but you know we would lose a lot of games through depth. You know, like in the third period, you know, hang with the top teams, and then you just kind of they keep coming. But so like the records weren't great, but 
having a group of core kids that learn how to play the game correctly and then moving on and playing prep school and playing at a high level because they got some really good instruction on, you know, and they got reps right. on defending sometimes too much, <laughs> you know, against the top teams. But um, I really do find if you can find that middle of the road, not the bottom third, because you're beating teams, maybe that you should, and you're getting some reps and, and having some success, but you also have to play up against some top teams. And I think that's the best of both worlds. So chasing the elite team, you know, it's maybe you can do something in the summer. Um, you know, if you get banding together with some top players, if you're one of those top players, but um, ultimately, you know, having both sides of it would be most beneficial to the development of a player, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think a lot of your guys, like you said, that you know, you you've got guys that are committed to play Division One hockey now and playing in national programs and high level prep schools, and will be going on to play college hockey. So that's a, it's a great you know, it, it, it's a great point. But that's a uh, you know, we could we could definitely beat that one up for a while because it it really is a good question. But uh, yeah, no, it was actually a little difficult at times to keep the kids positive because they were getting better, even though you do have to have some results to kind of validate their work. And even though I'm watching and I understand what they're doing and that they're, 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 you know, kind of executing, you know, everything that we, we worked on. Um, so it was tough as a coach at times, but I think um, that, that core group, you know, definitely benefited from it. So you have to stay the course and trust the process. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to have some pretty good teams and, the only thing I'd, I'd say, um, you know, about it, and, and most of our kids are within, you know, a half hour, 35, 45 minutes tops from the rink. Um, and what I relay the message to the kids as much as I can, and, and um, Dave Catarazulo, you know, he, he asked the kid one day, like, kids one day, like, do you guys know what a calendar game is? And the kids obviously looked at him like they had 10 heads. And, you know, it's basically like, you look at a calendar and all right, this team circled, right? So you, you know that you're going to get the best, you know, the best version of that team that you're playing that day. Right. So that team has, you know, us circled on the, on the calendar and saying, all right, you know, we might've lost to somebody last week or, or just beat somebody last week that, you know, whatever it was, a, it was a good game, but like this team against, you know, against us, we're going to, we're going to do whatever it can we can to, to play the hardest. So, you know, I think for, for our guys where, you know, again, we're learning, uh, you know, through this experience and, and being a you know pretty good team um, to, to, you know, go through those, like, Hey, if you don't show up, if you just think you're going to walk in here and, and cakewalk teams, like it's not going to happen. You have to learn to consistently bring it every time you're on the ice because you're getting that other team's best version of themselves. You're that kind of like that, that, calendar you know circled team that 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 they want you guys the most and if they knock you off that'll make that you know they'll celebrate like they won the stanley cup you know what i mean so again that's just part of you know my coaching and teaching is we're, we're trying to work through all that type of stuff too because there's a lot of times where you know teams like you look at it on paper and you look at the rankings all oh, this team's ranked you know we're in the top 10 and this team's ranked 40th but you know what like they're going to give their best possible effort every shift they're going to dump the puck in they might not play the right they're going to pack it in front of the net and block shots and do all the little things to do whatever they can to try to you know give us a beat down which hey more power to them you know i think that's a a great point to be made well um, that mailbag was brought to you by tsr hockey the hockey season is underway and both parents and kids are looking for new team swag the TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel, ensuring that your team looks the best. Be sure to check them out at tsrhockey.com or in their store in tax-free Salem, New Hampshire, where you, uh, you can also get all the latest gear like skates, pads, helmets, sticks. Maybe they can sew some some new stuff, uh, some extra padding, so um, you know your player doesn't come back to the bench crying when they get accidentally <laughs> hit with a puck. But make sure okay, you check or, a new, or a new twig to to go top cheddar with you know what i mean to be able yeah. to shoot far down yeah uh, yeah i mean we, yeah <laughs> we talked about the uh you know this past month for me there's been uh i, I had four birthdays in the house and the only one that didn't require a uh a, a trip up to tsr was uh 
was my wife. She got the Olive Garden as we talked about last yeah. week. But uh, the <laughs> kids love going up there yeah. and, and and picking out a you know a new twig and shooting and things like that. And those guys, uh, you know, Brendan, Mike, and the boys at TSR Hockey, uh, they take good care of us. This uh, episode was also brought to you by Pro Stock Hockey. Give your kid the pro experience with Pro Stock Hockey. The world's largest inventory of Pro Stock gear now has youth equipment, free name personalization free tape and same day shipping and friendly customer service comes with all kids sticks and gloves ask for sean or zach if you need help finding the right glove size or stick flex for your kid all custom names are professionally done with the same printer used by the manufacturers visit prostockhockey.com today and use the code bymots for 20 percent off your kids gear order yeah, that little thing of uh, you know customization and personalization, putting the name on it, uh, can go a long way of making a a young player feel uh, you know kind of sweet. You know, so it does. Yeah, it does. Just make sure you check them out at ProStockHockey.com. Mailbag was also brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. If you own a home and haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with our friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check them out at chrisdevin.com. Yeah, I know last week, Mots, I wanted to hit this before we wrapped up here, but uh, last week with, in the in the Oats uh, Hockey Group interview, we talked about different curves, and he's obviously pretty opinionated of it. And we've got some questions of, like, which curve is it? So I was told from my boy um, JL that, the oats curve um, that that he suggests, especially like that you can buy in the store, is the P90T CCM curve, the P92 Bauer, and the Warrior W03. Um, those curves, I guess, are what 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 Oatsy you know kind of requires are his guys. And I know that some guys get pretty comfortable using different things, but that's what he suggests, and and I know he's pretty adamant about it. Yeah, and a lot of them have that that toe curve and. He has, you know, some data and some examples as why you use it, though, too. It's not just because he wants you to use a certain stick. You have some of these top players switching to, you know, th- these type of curves to pick pucks up off the wall, whether you're a defenseman or a forward. You to know, go top dog. <laughs> yeah. There's just situational plays that using the right curve on your stick can make the execution of a play much easier. So, it's like a small little thing, but coming from a hockey genius like him, he picks up on it and he really, you know, drives it in with the uh, the drills that he does. And, you know, like there's a thousand ways the puck can come off the boards and how do you, you know, react to it. When I talked to him at length, um, you know, was, this is probably a year and a half ago, he, you know, was just giving examples. And it's just so interesting to see how just a small detail of the game that he, he really kind of relies on to make a, a player better and it's so say obvious but a lot of people don't do that um but what do you he, think of your gatorade star oh he would have puked in his mouth <laughs> 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 no i kind of wish he would have been my coach at that point and he would have just absolutely threw like you know i you know maybe had like two dozen of them he would have just broke them up into kindling for yeah. you know a fire pit or something but i uh yeah, no, it would have been interesting to for him to see that thing. Oh, that's awesome! That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and and you know, just thinking back on it, remember our interview with Kevin Miller, uh, which was you know, it feels like forever ago. But he, uh, you know, he talked about the changes that he made when he started working with OT, and one of them in particular was the was the stick, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, it, it went from him being kind of a call up guy to like, oh wow, this is real, and next thing you know, he's in the NHL for a long time and making millions of dollars. So it, it really does, I guess, you know, it, it, it works. And there's a reason why he's so adamant about it. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff because a lot of people just kind of go for, you know, feel and like maybe if you can shoot better, but you know, how many times do you get a shot off in the game versus how many times are you picking the puck up off the wall or trying to make a play uh, under pressure in t- in type by your feet like all, all these little things that he really does uh, appreciate and and stresses to his players and the top players in the world are, are doing you know these very basic drills and you see them executing at the highest level so you know the, I, I, albert einstein of uh of hockey you know adam oates has uh you know 
he, he can tell you what to do. And, you know, these guys are definitely listening and uh, performing. So absolutely, those, those curves are, are, are there for a reason. So uh, make sure we can put those on our uh, socials so you guys can check them out. Yeah, definitely. We will. Uh, once again, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for the sponsors. Uh, you know, obviously we wouldn't be here without those guys. Please, you know, remember to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or whatever it is. And good job this week. Mott's with the mailbag. Keep those questions coming in. I know we're in the thick of things here with hockey season. So uh, everybody's busy, but the the stories and everything like that are uh, sure are adding up. So uh, thanks again to everybody. Good job, buddy. And uh, time to cue the Rinch Rinch Shuffle.